The COVID-19 pandemic has changed life for all of us. But even before this, we were already fighting an epidemic, the battle against chronic disease. And those with chronic diseases are at highest risk of contracting severe coronavirus infections. So how do we protect ourselves during these uncertain times? But more importantly, how do we view health? Welcome to the Glass Half Healthy Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jonar, a board certified physician in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine. In this podcast, I want to address the current crisis of chronic disease and to challenge conventional attitudes towards health. We'll be exploring these issues with thought-provoking guests to help redefine what health should mean for all of us. I hope to inspire you to take action towards a happier, thriving life because good health comes to those who expect it. Welcome, everyone. I am Dr. Jonar, and this is my podcast, The Glass Half Healthy. I wanted to first say a big thank you to all of you who listened out there and made launch day a huge success since we actually ranked in just our first week in the top 200 podcasts in the U.S. in health and fitness. It's so exciting for me, and this could not have been possible without your help. So I hope to continue bringing meaningful discussions on health to you all. So thank you so much. Okay, so this is our first episode since launch day, and I wanted to honor one of the people who helped me get to where I am today as my guest, Nancy Harazduk. I've known Nancy for many years as a medical student at Georgetown. She played a huge role in helping me through a very difficult time in my life, which I discuss in my origin story episode, episode one. She makes a cameo appearance on that episode, so please go back and listen if you haven't. You may also remember Nancy from our launch day series on defining health. She is the director of the Mind Body Medicine program at Georgetown University School of Medicine and associate professor in the Department of Family Medicine. She has her master's in education and social work, and she is here today to discuss the power of the mind-body connection. But for that, a word from our sponsor. This episode of The Glass F Healthy is brought to you by broccoli. Broccoli is full of antioxidants like sulforaphane that's thought to help activate your immune system against infections, reduce inflammation, and help prevent certain cancer progression like breast cancer, prostate cancer, and lymphoma. So what time is it? It's time to brock and roll broccoli at your nearest grocery or farmer's market, wherever fresh produce is sold. All right, back to the podcast. Among the many health topics to discuss, one of the most urgent during these current times is stress management. What has been on everyone's mind is COVID-19. The current pandemic has changed life for all of us in so many ways. It's disrupted our daily living, not being able to go out how we normally would, with masks on, social distancing, working at home, or worse, losing our jobs, kids homeschooling online, and the financial and time pressure associated with all of that, and the actual risk of getting sick, contracting COVID-19 yourself, or knowing family or friends who have had it, and to all my fellow frontline workers risking their health. Then there's all the racism and social injustice going on. And most recently, the higher surge of cases here in the US at 4.8 million cases with close to 160,000 deaths in the span of six months. We have never faced anything like this in our lifetime. And with the many challenges, the stress is real. 
So this first episode will be dedicated to stress management. So why is stress management so important? First, let's, let's define stress. Stress, generally speaking, it's pressure on a person or object. In the context, we're talking about us as humans. There's different types of stress on the body. There's physical and then there's psychological, a state of mental or emotional strain or tension that results from an adverse event or a very demanding circumstance. What we're focusing on today is the psychological stress, which we often refer to as just stress as a common term. Stress in and it of itself is actually helpful and necessary. Biologically speaking, it's built into our survival brains. It helps people perform under pressure. And back in the day when our ancestors roamed the earth, it helped us evade predators. But one thing I wanna emphasize here is that stress is normal. The fact that it's everywhere and is ever present means it's a normal part of life. Stress leads to an increased amount of this hormone called cortisol that circulates in our blood, which during short bursts, it's good to help perform like we, we just talked about with responding to predators or in modern days, performing on an exam or in sports. The bad thing here is over time, if you're chronically stressed, that same cortisol that circulates in the blood can su suppress your immune system. Not a good situation to be in, and it opens up the doors to infections like COVID-19. So this is why stress management is so important. It helps to optimize your immune system, but also stress management helps to create resiliency through life's challenges. So for example, I've used stress management techniques through mindfulness meditation that have carried me throughout the most difficult times in my own life, from my dad's passing, through tough times of medical school and residency, through my mom's cancer treatments and her passing, and now working as a hospitalist caring for sick coronavirus patients during this pandemic. Going back to 2004, as I struggled with my dad's death, I read a lot of books to help with dealing with my grief. So I got into mindfulness and meditation books. Among the many that I read, one that really stood out to me was Dr. John Kabat-Zinn's book, Wherever You Go, There You Are. I used his approaches he discussed in his book to incorporate into my own life at the time. So yes, they were effective for me. I haven't really talked about them publicly till now. I think I kept it to myself for the most part for fear of judgment that meditation was this mystical thing that current society or even my own profession would not want to accept. But over the years, as this subject has been further studied, and as a physician in this current crisis, I feel it's my duty to address stress management since we all need these tools to help get us through these challenging times. Many neuroscientists have already studied and continue to study the effects of mindfulness on the brain and the body, but the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction or MBSR program is one of the most widely studied. And it was actually designed by Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, the same guy whose book I read back in 2004, Wherever You Go, There You Are. What they found through these studies is that changes within the brain can occur just in eight weeks time through this training program. And you will hear Nancy's inspiring story becoming a single mom and how this MBSR program changed her life. She's helped many from med students to physicians to patients, myself included, through her work in mind-body. And no matter who you are, Nancy is here to help guide you through these uncertain times. She discusses her own take on the pandemic and her thoughts on how to handle 
what's going on in this world right now. So without further ado, here is Nancy. Nancy, thank you for coming back on the show. And it is a true honor to have you as the first guest. You have meant so much to me, you know, as a medical student, but also as a person. And you have helped thousands of medical students and other healthcare professionals through your work. So I just want to offer you my, my sincerest thanks first and foremost. Thank you, Jonar, as well, because your words mean the world to me. I am delighted to know that I was helpful to you in, in some way. No, not in some way, in many major ways. So, <laughs> <laughs> our, uh, Yeah, of course. So our paths crossed in 2009. Now, that was during the mind-body medicine program that you were saying that started in Georgetown at 2002, correct? Right. Um, so take us back to around that time or even before that. What sparked your interest in mind-body medicine and why at Georgetown? Mm. Many years ago, I'd been an elementary school teacher. And then my husband became ill and passed away. And I became a single mom with two children ages five and eight. It felt important to me at that time to do something in healthcare to honor my husband's memory, to mm. honor his life. I left teaching and I went to social work school. During my last year of social work school, I attended a professional training program entitled Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction offered by John Kabat-Zinn. Mm. The training was transformative for me. It helped me it helped me to grieve my husband's death and to see life as an exciting adventure once again. Mm -hmm. I then began taking other postgraduate courses in, my, uh, in mindfulness meditation, in guided imagery, journal writing, in movement, all the modalities that fall under the rubric of mind-body medicine. And then why Georgetown? Yeah, why? Uh, what happened was I was leading a training program for mental, uh, for health professionals, physicians, mm -hmm. nurses, social workers, psychologists, and a professor. And was this, was this like back in early 2000? It was in 2000. Exactly. 2000. Okay. Yeah. 2000, 2001. So one of the professors from Georgetown had gotten an NIH grant, a large grant uh, from NIH to integrate mind-body medicine into the medical school curriculum. Mm, so okay. after he had come to the training that I was leading, he came to speak with me, asked if I would be interested in coming to Georgetown to create a mind-body medicine program for the medical mm -hmm. students. I see. And so that's- So was that was from that moment? That's, yeah. I, so I arrived there, you know, I had to leave my other job and all that. So I arrived there in 2002. I see, I see. And then, you know, I guess my next question would be, for those that don't know what this is or, you know, what mind-body is even all about, how do you define mind-body or mind-body medicine? Mm -hmm. It has many facets. I'll just briefly go through some of them. Basically, yeah. mind-body medicine teaches that there's a connection and an interaction between the mind and the body, and each has a powerful effect on the other. And it acknowledges that the physical, emotional, mental, social, spiritual aspects of our lives directly affect, directly affect our health and well-being. Mind-body medicine also respects and enhances each person's capacity for self-knowledge and self-care. 
it focuses on what's right with a person as, as mm. opposed to what's wrong with a person. I love that, actually. Yeah. And it views illness and adversity as an opportunity for personal growth and transformation. You know? Yeah. I mean, those are all super important things. I mean, I guess my question to you would be, you know, why, why is it important for, you know, people, especially right now in this moment in time, why is that mind-body connection important? Well, the mind-body, what's important here is that, you know, poor mental health is a risk factor for chronic physical conditions. Mm-hmm. So people with serious mental health conditions are at high risk of experiencing chronic physical conditions. That's and right. The reverse is true also. Right. What's the other way? People with serious physical conditions are at risk for experiencing mental health issues, such as depression, anxiety, when you're ill. So the combination of both, we have to care for the mind and the body. They are intimately connected. Have that, to both. yeah, I mean, person. right, right. That makes, makes sense to me. And, you know, with my experience in lifestyle medicine, but, you know, also just my own personal experience, it rings so true, you know, and um, so what, what ways can strengthen that connection? And, you know, like, how does that translate into benefits of the body, like starting with the mind? Well, in practice, mind-body medicine means several things. There are several modalities that fall under this rubric. They include, um, they, they're both mind and body, physical, emotional uh, aspects. For example, mindfulness meditation. So practicing mindfulness meditation can be very, very helpful to, uh, to someone for their mind and their body. It's body relaxation and it's a mind relaxation. Mm. Uh, we do mindfulness meditation, living a mindful life. Guided imagery is another one that can be helpful. Um, journal writing, intuitive journal writing, stream of consciousness journal writing. We access information from within our heart and soul. We bypass the intellectual mind when we do this. We go to what's really our truth, to our truth, which helps us really understand ourselves and once we become more aware it helps us become more aware when we're more aware we can affect change we have to understand what's going on with our mind and our body to affect change um you know intuitive drawing is another way that we can access our inner wisdom uh yoga uh physical exercise all of these things fall under mind body medicine and they are helpful practices for people to stay healthy, both physically and emotionally, mentally. Okay, yeah, I mean, I guess that rings true for, you know, different patients who those specific activities would resonate with them. So, you know, with that, what would you say are the most common problems or issues um, you see in those you work with, whether it be, you know, medical students or or healthcare workers, or just, you know, people, what, what are the common problems you see? So things that people bring up consistently, for example, healthcare workers, physicians, nurses, social workers, psychologists, uh, oftentimes talk about chronic stress issues. They're chronically stressed. And reasons for that, they, they tell me, are an excessive workload, uh, not enough time in the day to do everything they need to do to get it done. 
You know, mm -hmm. there's always more to do, never completing a list. Mm -hmm. um, problems with work-life balance. They feel like they're working so many hours a day, they don't have time to spend with their families or as much mm -hmm. time as they would like. Uh, the physicians and the nurses also feel like nowadays they've lost autonomy, flexibility. They don't control their schedules. They have to, you know, they have a schedule and they have to go by that schedule. They lack of control. And of course, doctors have often mentioned those dreaded electronic medical records cause that stress. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh because I know it all too well. <laughs> uh -huh. Yes, you do. Um, those are healthcare work. Medical students are... Uh, Issues are similar and different at the same time. Mm -hmm. They also talk about time constraints. For them, there's not enough time in the day to actually learn the abundance of information that mm. they are given. There's not, there's, you know, they, they just can't get it all. It's just too mm -hmm. much for their mind, so they feel stressed. Mm. Also, medical school is a competitive environment, and they feel as though it's what we call an imposter syndrome. When they were in college, they were top of their class, so they wouldn't have gotten into medical school. They were really smart. Now that they're in medical school, everybody's just as smart as they are, and right. they feel not good enough, and they feel like they're not going to make it through, and they feel like an imposter. I, you know, they should, probably shouldn't have asked me to come here. I can't do this, you mm -hmm. know, and it's because of the competitive stage, and that then they feel so much stress about right. that pressure. Um, and also lack of balance between uh, medical school and social life. You know, their friends are out there having a great time, making a lot of money going, well, not anymore, but they used to go to <laughs> bars and travel and have wonderful times and parties. And the medical students can't do that. They have, they, spend, they must spend their time studying because there's so much information to learn. And uh, one of the last things they mention on many of the students is there are family issues. You know, you come to medical school and it's not just the medical school issues. They come with baggage and things are going on in their families and that causes them a lot of stress. So these are the common issues that, I see. that have come, you know, that have come to me uh, throughout the years. You know, it rings so true because some of the things you said are like things that I went through in my own, own mind and experience when I was in medical school, you know, imposter syndrome, personal issues, you know, as you know, very well, because you were there for, for all of it. And so I guess from, from that regard, how are certain ways that, you know, mind body medicine works can help to address some of these, these problems that you mentioned. And so maybe we can break it down like, you know, medical student versus physician, because they, they are kind of facing a little bit different problems and obstacles. So like, you know, for example, with medical students, you, you mentioned the imposter syndrome, you mentioned the uh, personal issues, but also the time issues. How can these, you know, approaches help them? You know, a lot of it has to do with attitude and just not really seeing this as the end all and be all, be all of one's life. You know, there's more to life than medical school and they don't feel that when they're in medical school. Frankly, honestly, the medical schools make them feel as though the only thing that's important is getting a high grade. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's definitely a systemic thing, you yeah. know. Um, and it's not specific to any one medical school. It's just the way the medical education system is, is set up, 
And so it, it can breed that, that environment. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's very important. My, you know, checking your mindset and making sure that that doesn't eat away at you because it can easily, if you let it, right? Yes, yes, it truly can. Uh, for medical students and, and for physicians, I mean, part of it is just being kind to yourself. You know, students, the medical students especially, they beat themselves up. They think they're not good enough. They don't get the highest grade if they don't really, really excel. They, they just beat themselves up and they say, and these, these people, I have to tell you, they're brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smiling and laughing because like, yes, at the time it was like a very difficult situation for me. But I mean, <laughs> the stuff you're telling right now is like, that's exactly how I was thinking. And, you know, I wish that, you know, I mean, I don't get me wrong, like you being there has been great, but I wish there was kind of something like this for me when I was going through it to hear someone else's experience that, you know, th this is normal to feel this way. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and you know, that that should be important too, that you're going to feel this anxiety and this, this, you know, huge burden of stress, but like these, it comes with the territory and you know, honestly, it's not even just in medical school, but life in general, yeah. right? As yeah. you get older, there's things that happen, you know, love, loved ones pass away and, you know, jobs could get affected. Like these are things that you'll have to deal with in the future. And it feels like it is the, the you know, be all end all these, you know, courses and grades and tests, yeah. but, you know, taking a step back and looking long-term can be helpful too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, there is just a few other things that would be helpful, actually, just common sense things for physicians and students now who sure. are stressed. I mean, these, this makes perfect sense, but people tell me they don't have time to do it. But you know what? You do have time to do it. It's a priority thing. And if you prioritize your health and well-being, then you find the 10 minutes a day to do it. You know, right. prioritizing what I'm talking about are things like physical exercise, just taking a walk, going out, clearing your head and taking a walk somewhere or a jog, whatever feels right for you, the gym, just doing something with your body to move it, to get rid of all that noise in your head, you know, that's making you feel awful. So physical exercise is walking treadmill. That's very helpful. And, you know, when you talk about lifestyle medicine, nutrition is really helpful. If you don't eat all Gosh, this junk it's food. It's key. It's key. I can't stress it enough. It is the number one cause of preventable chronic disease in this country. Yeah. And just going back to your movement thing, you know, I've, I've heard a, um, you know, saying, and I think it was from uh, Tony Robbins, that motion creates emotion. So exactly going back to what you were saying with movement, and exercising and it, you don't have to go to the gym. I mean, gyms are closed by the way, so you're left with limited options, but just going around and walking, moving your body gets you out of a certain mindset. So, so motion creates emotion, like keep that in mind when you're, you're going about your day. Yes, exactly. These things are not expensive. They cost no money. Exactly. You, know, you can just walk and do whatever it is that feels right. Right. And sorry to hijack your, your point about the nutrition. Nutrition is key, right? It's key. It's extremely important. If people eat well, if they eat healthy foods, um, 
their bodies feel more energized. They feel better. Their minds are clearer. Mm -hmm. They just feel better. Uh, but people, you know, they're very stressed and they don't think they're not aware. What we're trying to teach in the mind body program is self-awareness and right. if you're aware if you say, wait a minute, this chocolate bar, you know, mm, I think I'll take a piece of fruit. And, you know, <laughs> right. it's terrible, but in the moment you just keep shoveling it down, you know, <laughs> right. um, you know, I don't know if you remember the mind body medicine in our group that you were in. We did a mind oh, yeah. thing. We did ate a grape. Oh, know? yes, I remember that. There is 20 minutes to eat a grape, <laughs> mindful and to realize what's happening here and to taste the food. Very helpful to eat slowly like that, you know? Right, right. Um, I just want to mention a few more things here that can sure. be helpful practices for people. That's what I'd like to share. Anything mm -hmm. that can help people nowadays is what I wanted to. Um, some things that are really helpful are um, sort of taking a moment and just um, responding to an issue rather than reacting impulsively. You mm. know, so when something comes up, you're having a conversation that's difficult with someone, just instead of being impulsive, just stop, pause, take a deep uh -huh. breath, and then respond instead of just reacting because it changes your physiological well-being when you just react in an angry way. So just right just being calmer, relaxing can be helpful. Um, um, the last thing is just being a good listener because that's very, listening to people when we, when we talk to each other, we need each other nowadays, you know? We can't see each other, we can't touch each other, we can see each other, we can't be close, we can't hug. We need to listen to each other, we need to be compassionate to each other, we need to help each other, we're all connected. We're all in the same boat. We need to help each other. So these are just some ways to help ourselves and to help each other. That's very well said. You know, going back to your point about the responding mindfully versus reacting impulsively, there is a saying by, I think his name is Viktor Frankl. Yes. And the saying goes, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact language, but it goes something like between the stimulus and response, there is a space and within that space lies your freedom. It's so, so true. Exactly and I was reading a little bit more about his, his, his story. Pretty interesting. Like he was a neurologist, but like it was during the time of World War II, right? Yes. And, and so I'm sure he, he was fearing for his life during that time. Um, but like he, there's, you know, a body of work by his that is just tremendous. So it just made me think of that when you, you mentioned the responding mindfully. That's exactly right. And actually, that's where I got that from reading his logotherapy work, uh, Victor Frankl's. That's, you know, his quote there. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. Yeah, that's where I just know the importance of pausing. Right, and, right. And then moving on. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually very happy to see that mind body medicine is is still thriving at Georgetown. You know, I mentioned to you in our discussion offline, but George that you know very well, who, yeah, he, you know, works in the anesthesia department at Georgetown. He was telling me that it it's, it's doing really well. And so how has the program developed over the years? You know, how would, how would you say it was first received versus now how, how it's received now, especially during what's going on? 
You know, Jonah, it's absolutely incredible. I could not have predicted it. When I first got to Georgetown, I thought I'd be there for maybe six weeks and people would roll their eyes and say, what is mind-body medicine? These are scientists. These are all PhDs and MDs and I'm walking around there, you know, thinking, oh my God. And that was 18 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> 18 it, years, can you believe that? I can't believe it at all, <laughs> 18 years ago. And now, since that time, the program has grown exponentially. I can't begin to tell you. It's now, people are finally realizing its importance. It is now a big part of the law school. Um, about 40% of the medical school students take it first, second, third, fourth year. Um, it's in the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown. Um, it is now basically- Oh, I didn't know that. So it's also in the School of Foreign Service? That is incredible. Wow. It's Look at you guys. Far and wide. Now we do trainings for people all over the country. So this program is, um, is being taught in medical schools, quite a few medical schools. I have a long list of medical schools that are, have incorporated this program, integrated it into their curriculum. They've been trained with us and then they take it there. It's also been, it's in Europe too. It's been translated in German and Swedish. So I've been to Europe and trained. Nancy, I mean, I am just floored. This is just incredible. I mean, could you have imagined? I mean, this is just, it is fantastic and so important and beneficial, yeah. right? Never could have imagined. And I'm, I feel just so grateful um, that I'm able to help people. It just, it, you know, it, oh, yeah. it's a wonderful feeling. It brings meaning to my life to, to help others, you know, have that. Of goes. course, of course. And I mean, especially right now. So there's a lot of, you know, unease right now in the minds of many because of the COVID pandemic you know, social injustice, all these things just swirling around our current state of affairs. And, you know, some of my own friends and family, they're really anxious about what's going on. And I didn't mention to you, but I actually did a recent talk on mindfulness for, for a company, I know, in the, in the community, but I was really just taken aback by some of the questions I was getting about how anxious people really are. And so I guess from, you know, your own standpoint as the mind-body medicine director, what do you say to those who are out there listening to the show or feeling very anxious right now about what's going on? And, and what, what are some of the things that you would suggest to incorporate in their own lives to help like deal with this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that we're currently living through difficult, challenging, and unprecedented times. I mean, they, we just are right now. Um, and we're also, at the same time, we're experiencing another insidious pandemic, aside from COVID-19, and that is destructive to, to humanity, as destructive as COVID-19, that of the racism issue. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. They're very, very difficult, challenging issues. But these times can also be times of opportunity. They can be times of reflection. Mm -hmm. It can be times of creating the life that you were meant to live and letting go of your old ways of being that no longer serve you. And uh, they can be times of committing to treating all men, women, and children. And I, I will say animals who share this planet with us with equality, with compassion, and with love. We can commit to this at this time if we choose to. So right now, 
we feel as though we have no control over our lives and we don't have control over what's occurring in the world right now, but we do have control over some things. We have control over our perspective, we have control over our attitude, and we have control over our actions. The way we interpret the world affects the way we think, feel, and act. And um, there are a few things that we can do that I have come to understand and have seen, have helped a few people. Different, very subjective though, different for different people. One of them is living a mindful not life. Be, what I mean by that is being in the present moment. The past mm. is gone, it's over. We cannot bring it back. Mm -hmm. The future, especially now, we have no idea what's gonna happen in the next moment. We just don't know. Mm -hmm. So regretting the past, worrying about the future, not helpful. If we can at all stay focused on the present moment, just being present with your children when they're there, really listening to them, being present when you're doing work, just being in the present moment, it is so very helpful. But of course, it's very hard, very hard mm -hmm. to do because our minds are filled with all this noise. Right. You know, so many thoughts. So the idea is as soon as you're aware, it's about awareness, self-awareness. As soon as you're aware that you're having these negative thoughts, these thoughts of anxiety, you say, you can say to yourself, stop, I'm not going down that road. Mm -hmm. You're aware the thought is there. You stop it. You try to stop it. You have to replace it with something. You replace it with what you're doing in the present moment. That way, we're not so much on automatic pilot. We're actually experiencing our lives. It's very, very difficult to do. It's not easy. The way we get to this point is by meditating, you know, by mm -hmm. taking five minutes a day and practicing a meditation. We're not going to do that today, but that's right. one of the ways to do, to, to do that. So being in the present moment, another thing is gratitude. You know, many of us think, especially people who, when they're in, in an anxiety mode, they, they're just worried about all the terrible things that might happen. You know what? If you're alive, then there, you can also be grateful for some things. You can be grateful for the fact that you have a body. You can be, even if it hurts, you have a body, mm -hmm. you have, you're breathing air. There are things we can be grateful for if we choose to, our attitude to be that way. You know, mm -hmm. you, we can either be um, ungrateful and be victims, or we can say, thank you so much for this food. I have food, you know, thank you for this food. Thank you. Uh, so gratitude is, is really helpful. Um, it's also helpful to do something for someone else, to be kind, to be compassionate, to do something for someone else, whoever it is. You forget your own anxiety for a second. When, right. you're, when you're doing something for other people. So those are a few things, gratitude, present moment, and compassion and kindness to others and ourselves. You know, there's a, you brought up a good point. There's this Buddha saying, I think I brought it up to another guest on a separate episode, but um, you know, Buddhists have an old saying of, if you wanna be miserable, think about yourself. But if you want to be happy, think about others. And I mean, that can't ring more true when you do something for someone else and it brings joy to them. And in the process, you forget about yourself. You know, true joy comes from helping other people. That's what it comes down to in my own experience. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, with, with the things that you talked about and, you know, there's apps out now, you know, uh, guided meditation apps like Headspace and Calm. 
where do you see the field of mind-body medicine going from this point forward? It's becoming rampant. Uh, it's taking on, it's taken on a life of its own. People now can really understand. There's also a lot of uh, evidence-based research on all of these topics. If you were to look at, you know, if you were right. to research mindfulness, guided imagery, any of these things, there's right. so much research in peer-approved uh, uh, journals right. that really shows that this work is really beneficial to people in many, many ways. It mm -hmm. their health. It makes them feel better. And right. it's, not, it's not all that expensive and you can do it yourself. And it's so helpful. So mm -hmm. I think it's taking, it's, it's taking, um, it's taking over. Right. Now, when we talk about medicine, you know, we have Western medicine and this is Eastern medicine. We call these, the, they used to call alternative medicine, medicine from the East because it comes from China, India. The idea is to meld them together. Using right. both of them together really enhances a person's health. You know, it's not either or, it's both. Right. You know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So it, let me ask you, Nancy, where can people find you online? My email address is nph 4 at georgetown.edu. You know, we'll put that up in the show notes too on our website. So, um, but Nancy, we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure. And, you know, I just want to personally, again, thank you so much for the work you've done for the many medical students and healthcare professionals out there. But, you know, for, for myself too, because without you, I wouldn't be here standing staying talking to you today. So really, I just, my heart goes out to you. Thank you. It was an honor. And I really appreciate being invited, Jonar. Thank you. Of, oh my gosh, anytime. <laughs> so thank you very much. And um, we will see you on the next episode. Take care. Bye. So how was that? I hope Nancy's story and her work in mind-body medicine inspires you to take steps towards incorporating mindfulness meditation, guided imagery, intuitive journal writing, intuitive drawing, or even yoga, any of these mind-body practices into your own life. As Nancy mentioned, these techniques can be pretty subjective. It's different for different people, but the good thing is there's something out there for everyone. My hope is you recognize your potential during this pandemic to turn moments of crisis into times of personal transformation through the power of mind-body. I'm grateful she was able to share her story with us, and I'm grateful to you for tuning in. So if you like what you heard, please download, subscribe, listen, rate, and review my podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and share it with your family, friends, and online. Thanks again to the wonderful and smart Amelia Liu, my intern, to Twinsy for the production help, and to Stock Sounds for the music. And lastly, to you. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode with Dr. Kadira Huff, a pediatrician who will share her expertise in healthcare disparities and as a lifestyle medicine practitioner. Remember, your state of health starts with your state of mind. So till next time, enjoy the process, my friends.
This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice, so please talk to your primary physician for that. In addition, the views and opinions expressed by me are my own and not that of my former, current, or future employer. This also applies to my guests. Finally, we do our best to make every effort to relay correct information. We do not guarantee its accuracy. Thank you for listening.